Hello there. On today's episode, I will be talking about my common cues that I tell each client during their fitness training. Most of these cues I repeat multiple times and I basically tell people they're going to hear me in their head. Um, And that's kind of my goal is you hear me during fitness trainings, but I also want you to hear me when you're bending down to grab a shoe or picking up something heavy or lifting up your child. I want you to hear these cues in your head so you can apply what we learn in fitness training to real life situations. Stay tuned. Welcome to Power Over Pop podcast. In this podcast, I help moms and women do fitness right with pelvic floor dysfunction. If you have pelvic floor dysfunction, so if you have any leakage, even just a little bit, when you sneeze, when you cough, when you run, when you jump, this means you have a disconnect in your system. If you are constantly putting strain on this disconnect with incorrect movements and incorrect exercises, then you are going to make your symptoms worse down the road. You could most certainly progress to back pain, knee pain, feet pain, hip pain, the list goes on and on. You also could develop prolapses or hernias, which is exactly what happened to me before I turned to fitness. I am your fit pro, personal trainer, Christina Supernaut, certified in pre and postnatal fitness. I will give you progressive total body strengthening that helps your pelvic floor, not hurts your pelvic floor. During this podcast, I will address many topics concerning pre, postnatal, and fitness with pelvic floor dysfunction. Stay tuned. As always, folks, my podcast, my services are not a substitute for medical attention. I always suggest that my clients get evaluated by a pelvic floor specialist, um, need that be chiropractic or physical therapy or um, urologist or your OBGYN. You need to get evaluated to see what state your pelvic floor is in before you start adding fitness onto it. As a personal trainer, I will work you through proper breathing techniques, optimal alignment, releasing any tension spots that's needed, and then also making sure that you're executing your foundation exercises correctly. But I love working with other professionals so we can give you a team approach or a holistic approach. My mission is to make it more acceptable, more known, and have your insurance, hopefully, ideally cover it, um, postnatal scans. So basically having a PT, someone that specializes in your pelvic floor to be able to evaluate you postpartum just to let you know what state your pelvic floor is in, let you know more about it and the signs you need to look for if and when there is a concern. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode. 
So, little things that are happening with me. I feel like I'm breathing a little easy today. Last week I was working on my launch. So all last week I had my service car open. Um, and so I was getting the word out about that. And now I feel like I can just take a couple deep breaths and serve the people that signed up for me. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for everyone that's committed to their services or to my services and I'm really really excited to um, dive right in and, and help them out uh, so again I'm I'm just happy that life is a little easier this week <laughs> So we're on Wednesday, smack dab in the middle of the week here. I would say it's a nice fall day out, but uh, looking at my thermometer here, it looks like it's uh, saying it's 96 degrees here in North Carolina. Um, so I wouldn't really consider that fall. Um, it, do, it does get a little confusing here. I, I'm wearing layers, sweaters in the morning, and by the afternoon I'm back in my tank top. So it's an interesting little shift for me from living up north versus down south. Um, a good one, but just, just a shift. Um, so this week in my, uh, Facebook group, um, we're going to be talking about truth bombs. So I'm going to be hopefully enlightening you a little bit on, um, different subjects or stigmas, uh, that I've found are not true over the years, um, or just, you know, diving more into the subject a little bit more. So we're going to have a lot of truth bombs going on in that Facebook group. Uh, potentially I might have that go on all month as well. Um, cause I got a lot of fun subjects I wanted to kind of address. So most certainly get yourself into that group. So it's a Facebook, um, it's my pelvic floor and pelvic uh, wow, fitness and pelvic floor group. Um, I'll have the link in the description so you can head over there and check us out. Uh, as always, I love answering questions. So if you have any questions in that group, uh, feel free to post them there. And chances are, if you have a question, someone else also has a similar question or at least might gain some knowledge from, from my answers from there. So for today, uh, what we are looking at is my common cues. I'm going to start from the feet and go all the way to the head. I'm also going to go over three cues that I do not use anymore and the reason why I don't use them. So I got seven cues for you guys. So seven cues starting from the feet to the head. First off, Number one, heels out. So this prevents us from walking like a duck, basically. And it's going to get us in the correct alignment that's gonna get our glutes firing and our hip stabilizers working. Basically what that means is you need to focus on exactly what hip width is. And a lot of us tend to think hip width is a little bit wider than what it actually is. So find your hip bones. Align those with your knees and have your ankles be right underneath your knees. That is your true hip distance. From there, bring those heels out versus pointing the toes out. Again, this is going to get those glutes working a little bit more, and it's going to get you in a correct alignment and set you up for success for the rest of your body. Number two, strong knees. In our society, we most certainly have a lot of weaker stabilizing muscles. So 
what can happen with this with the knees is they actually can fall in on us and this can be a combination of weak stabilizing muscles so weak muscles in the pelvis so weak glutes weak hip stabilizers um it can also be a result of tightness so kind of that tightness or um tension is pulling on our legs and so it's pulling those knees in the more awareness we bring to our knees, the less likely it's going to happen while doing the tension release, while doing the strengthening. But strong knees helps my clients pay more attention to not letting those knees fall in. So strong knees means maybe even a slight rotation out or at least maintaining kneecaps forward. So strong knees. Number one, heels out number two strong knees going on to number three now controlling the pelvis from the front so i'm always telling ladies control that pelvis from the front and that basically means we're controlling the pelvis with our lower abs and we're not letting it fall or spill forward when we do that we cause that big big arch in that low back and that's where we get a lot of back pain so the more we control our pelvis from the front with our core muscles the more we're gonna protect our back and our spine. Next up, so number four, coming up and out of those hips. We tend to kind of slouch or hang on our joints when we get fatigued or weakened or anything along those lines. So the more we actually lift ourselves out of the hips, and you can even take your hands on either side of your hips, thumbs in the back, fingers in the front uh, of your pelvis, and kind of push down and lift yourself up and out of that hips. A really cool thing happens when you do this. Your lower abs, so those abs that I told you needed to control the pelvis from the front, those tend to activate. So they automatically activate by you lifting out of your pelvis. The other wicked cool thing about, I don't know if anyone actually says wicked anymore, but hey, whatever. Uh, the other awesome or wicked thing that happens when you lift out of your pelvis is you take pressure off of your pelvic floor. So instead of us hanging there on our joints and putting all this unneeded pressure into our pelvic floor, we lift ourselves up and out of those hips and we lift our organs out of our pelvic floor or our weakened pelvic floor, overworked pelvic floor. Okay? So, so far... Number one, heels out. Number two, strong knees. Three, control that pelvis from the front so we got those lower abs working. And then number four, to get those lower abs functioning, come up and out of those hips. Number five, so this is a big one. It is ribs down. Ribs down and relaxed and actually slightly rotated back. Um, and unfortunately, when we're pregnant, we have the added challenge of a baby kind of pushing on our ribs. So that does cause a little bit more rib flare or the flare of the ribs to come up. Ideally, postpartum, those ribs should come back down. Doesn't always happen. As we know, things don't tend to go exactly back where they should go um, after pregnancy. And, you know, we work with that. It's, it's fine. Um, but ribs, when you are focused on doing a movement, think about keeping those ribs down and not flaring open. One of my clients recently gave me a cue to kind of add on to this, um, kind of play off of it a little bit. And it was, so you don't want me to get chesty. Chesty. 
I was like, that is absolutely perfect. Yes, don't flare out your chest. Don't get chesty. Keep those, keep those ladies down, okay? Keep them down. Um, what happens when you do this? It actually will disconnect your core, so your core muscles won't function like they should. And every time you do that flaring motion, you are putting constant strain on um, your abdomen. So if you have any kind of abdominal separation, you're just putting constant strain on that area. A lot of the times when we have rib flare, we also have tightness in our mid-back. So that tightness in that mid-back makes it hard to keep the ribs down. Um, so one of the main things that I have my ladies work on, uh, usually for like two to four weeks, and even kind of sprinkling it in throughout their exercises, is uh, mid-back mobility, so relieving that tension. The cool thing about relieving that tension is it not only will get those ribs down and get your core connected, it'll actually start to relieve uh, tension in the neck and the upper back as well because tension travels up. So if you have tension even in your feet, it's going to travel all the way up your body. Okay, just a cool little side fact. So ribs down, ribs over hips. So that's another really good way for you to kind of visualize that, keeping those ribs stacked over the hips. So in any position, need to be standing, sitting, kneeling, laying down on your side, laying down on the floor, ribs should be stacked over hips. And unfortunately, most of us do have an issue with this, or again, we have that tightness in our back that we have to uh, relieve, but in the process, it's in the process of relieving it, we're having trouble keeping those ribs down. So um, we do do some work with inclining of the or propping up of the torso in order to be able to keep those ribs down, especially when you're laying on your back. So I do have different techniques to kind of help you keep the ribs down um, until we can get more muscle memory and get that tension work or releasing of the tension work done. Ribs down, stacked over hips, neutral pelvis. I go over neutral pelvis to an ex to an exhaustion, I guess you could say, um, in any exercise that I do. Uh, it's during exercise, but also just when you're standing in line at the grocery store, focusing on keeping the ribs stacked over that neutral pelvis. That is number five for you. So going on to number six, we've got shoulders relaxed away from the ears. We like to hold tension in our shoulders. So we like to lift our shoulders up. We like to have tension in that neck um, and potentially even start to pinch nerves. So bringing more awareness to it. It happens automatically. I know it. It does happen to me. But bringing more awareness to it and more mindfulness to how you are displaying your shoulders is going to help keep it more relaxed throughout the day. And potentially you could stop all that neck pain and upper back tension too. But just letting them relax. So that's the other big thing. It's just letting them relax in the shoulders. So not pinning them down, not putting more strain in that neck, but just letting them relax in those shoulder joints is key. Um, but unfortunately, when we do like an exercise up and overhead, or we do something that maybe is a little bit too heavy for us, we tend to compensate by bringing those shoulders up. So really be aware of how your body is reacting to different exercises and different challenges, because potentially it's just too much for you, and you're gonna recruit muscles that shouldn't be working. Um, so just be aware of that shoulders away from ears. 
Number seven. So this is the last one I got on my list here. Um, and it's going to be about the neck and the head. So I'm constantly telling my ladies to lengthen through the back of the neck. And what that actually involves is giving yourself a little bit of a double chin. So kind of tucking that chin a little bit and lengthening through the back of the neck. When you do that, you're lengthening through the spine. So if you are then lifting from those hips and lengthening through the back of the neck, you're getting this nice lengthening through your whole torso, okay, which is A, going to help with your pelvic floor, B, going to help with your muscle firing and relieving any tension that you have in your upper torso as well. So think of giving yourself a little bit of a chin tuck, pushing it back with ears aligned over shoulders, okay? So that is our goal is to have our ears aligned over our shoulders and then lengthen through the back of the neck. A couple of other ones that kind of go along with that is gonna be uh, look down versus up. Or I usually put a like bright pink weight or something really flashy in front of someone about five to six feet away and be like, stare at that. That's going to give you a little bit of that chin tuck and that lengthening in the back of the neck without you feeling like you have to lift your head and look at the ceiling during any exercise, especially a squat. It's amazing when you look up during a squat position, how much it causes your pelvis to go forward, a big old arch in that back, and then also rounding of that upper back as well. So the way you move your head and your alignment or your, um, your alignment of your eyes is going to affect the rest of your body. So if you have to take that bright pink weight or bright pink toy, put it about five to six feet in front of you. And when you go down in that squat, you stare at that item, giving yourself that little chin tuck. Um, when you walk, when you run, when you are sitting, don't lead with the chin. So stop leading with the chin or don't lead with the chin is another cue that I'm also saying, because that is meaning that you are literally leading your actions with your chin. You're sticking that chin out. Try tucking it in and then sticking it out, tucking it in, sticking it out. How does that make your neck feel? The other thing to think about, how does it make your pelvic floor feel as well? So if you're sticking that chin out, how much pressure is going down into that pelvic floor versus you getting yourself back in alignment and getting up and out of those hips? It's a huge difference. All right, so that is one through seven in my common cues that I use. I have three here that I wanted to go over that I don't use anymore and the reasoning behind them. Number one on the do not use list is squeeze your glutes. I used to tell people to squeeze your glutes, but unfortunately what happens with pelvic floor dysfunction is that most of us are kind of walking around chronically squeezing our glutes or clenching or gripping. And what this is causing to our pelvic floor um, is our dysfunctions. Because what we're doing is we are squeezing our glutes to try to control our pelvis. So we're trying to over-recruit a muscle to control this lack of control or lack of stability that we have in our pelvis versus controlling the pelvis from the front. Remember that cue from earlier? When we do this, we cause a lot less room in our pelvic floor area. And when we cause less room, our pelvic floor doesn't actually have room to work, okay? So we first need to stop clenching. That's 
the main thing. Um, and so bringing awareness to that is also key. So even just while you're standing, so stand up, or if you are standing in the grocery line, I really like doing all this stuff in a grocery line if you haven't noticed, but squeeze your glutes and then release them. Do you feel a difference than before you squeeze them? That probably means that there was some level of tension you were holding in your glutes before that you didn't realize. So the reason why I don't cue that anymore is because, like I said, chronically, we're probably already doing that. The second reason I say don't do that um, or the reason why I don't cue that anymore is because people tend to over recruit their glutes for a simple activity. So if someone's doing a body weight squat, let's say, and they come down and then they come back up and they squeeze, they don't need to over recruit that muscle for a body weight exercise. They probably don't need to recruit it as much even for a 10 pound weight that they're carrying. What happens when you over recruit is it throws your pelvis into that anterior or front tilt. So you squeeze your muscles too much and there goes spilling basically into your pelvic floor. Our goal is to always be in our neutral pelvis. So when you go down into a squat and then you come up and even just do a light squeeze, okay? Light squeeze is my new favorite one. Bring yourself back to that neutral pelvis. So don't throw yourself out of alignment with an over squeeze. So that was one of the things I don't cue anymore is squeeze glutes, okay? Next step, belly button to spine. I know this is a very popular one, uh, maybe in Pilates, yoga, things like that, belly button to spine. This promotes ab gripping. Ab gripping is one of the main things I address in my programs because it causes dysfunction in the core. It causes you not to be able to control your interdominal pressure. It puts way too much pressure down into your pelvic floor that it can't handle. Most of us walk around sucking in. It's just, it comes natural to us women. We think that it makes us more attractive, more um, desirable. I'm, I'm not sure. It's just something psyche that we, we do. And I did it too. Um, and I still catch myself every once in a while doing it too, but I'm more aware of it now. So you don't need to walk around sucking in. And when you do this, you're making it so your body can't function the way it should. And you're causing a dysfunction within your core that then is causing your dysfunction within your pelvic floor. Okay? So stop sucking in. A lot of the times we like to suck in right at that belly button. Okay? In my courses, we talk about how to recruit your core appropriately, basically from the bottom up versus that middle or that belly button to spine action. Um, we also address tension areas. So if you're holding or gripping and don't realize it and it's caused this dysfunction in your core, we'll help you uh, release that tension as well. So no belly button to spine and stop chronically holding your belly in all day. Two things to remember. Last cue I don't use anymore, shoulders down and back. Shoulders down and back. So a couple of things that this does, it causes a lot of tension in that back. So again, here's that chronic tension that we hold in our bodies throughout the day that we don't need to be doing. And when we do that, it causes dysfunction in our body movements or our body mechanics. So when we pull those shoulders down and back, do you feel your back kind of tensing up? 
you have to remember, and I know I've repeated it multiple times, maybe in the podcast, or I constantly repeat it in any of my material. A muscle that is constantly on or constantly holding tension is a weak muscle. So if you're constantly putting tension in your back, it's going to have a hard time helping you with posterior endurance. Okay, so shoulders down and back. The other thing this does is it puts our shoulders in a very awkward position that can cause shoulder pain later on. We need to let our shoulders um, free move. So it's a very similar muscle that our um, hip joints are. It's a ball and socket. So we need to let it freely move. And actually in my program, we talk about uh, walking rhythm. And in that walking rhythm, we talk about torso crossover and letting the arms swing. So your goal is to, instead of trying to open up your chest and push those shoulders back and get that back working, open up your chest lightly, but then let those shoulders just relax. Let those arms fall naturally from those shoulder joints. Okay. You relieve a lot more tension going up. So you should feel a nice release in that neck and that upper back when you do that. Um, at this point, if you are worried about forward falling, so if your arms naturally fall forward, there are things you can do for that, but it doesn't mean sticking them back and sticking out your chest. Okay. That's not the fix for this. It is lengthening, releasing through that chest muscle and then getting our back stronger. Okay. So right now, just think of just relaxing those arms out of those shoulder joints. Woo, we have talked about a lot today. You guys are awesome for sticking with me. I do appreciate it. I really, really hope that you were able to take some of these things that I talked about and apply them practically to your life, your body, your situation. Grab that link for my Facebook group. Uh, that way you can stay tuned for those truth bombs. You can ask me questions. If you have a question regarding this podcast, if you have any question regarding your journey, where you're at, just let me know. I'd also love to hear your story. So if you have a story and experience, please, please share. You can message me um, privately, or again, you can share it in the group as well. Um, everyone's going to be inspired by each other's stories and each other's process and hopefully feel empowered, educated to really power over your pop symptoms. The other thing I'm going to have in the description is my newsletter link. So sign up for my newsletter. I do weekly newsletters, ton of really good information. Another really good way you can connect with me if you'd like to as well. Um, again, I just, I love to hear everyone's stories. Everyone has a different story. It's just like a birth story. Everyone has a different postpartum story or different public floor story or a different experience with Kegels or PT. So please, please uh, share those. Uh, don't be ashamed. The more we talk, the more we make this a comfortable situation um, or subject to talk about, uh, the more likely we're going to have people that are suffering in silence come out and seek out this help that they so desperately need and want. Thank you, ladies, so much for listening. Stay tuned for further episodes. Hey, would you be interested in a 45-minute free coaching session with me, pelvic floor fitness trainer, Christina Supernaut? If you are, 
head over to PowerOverPop.com, click on the free session and apply today. I want to hear your story. I want to know your experiences, what's working, what's not working, your goals, and how you see your fitness in the future despite your pelvic organ prolapse. So again, apply today at PowerOverPop.com. Can't wait to hear from you. Thank you.